0: And that's part of the reason why I do what I do is because of the pain fuels me to actually help people. And that makes me a coach, a trainer. But these people that I'm serving, that I'm working with, they maybe they didn't have to take those detours. Try to put us
1: Talking about my generation. Hard is the new fun. Ask not what your country can do for you.
0: Ask what you can do for your country.
1: Welcome to the TLT Movement Podcast, a podcast for tomorrow's leaders today. We are at the very hotel that we just got done with TLT Conference 2023, and I am sat with one of our mentors, Steven. Yes. Hi there. <laughs> I'm Stephen. Hi, Danny. Hi, this is Stephen. He is probably the... Mentor that's traveled the furthest in all of TLT history. He's from Montre- Montreal, Canada. And I just want to chat with you about how you thought TLT Conference 2023, how it went. Yes. Uh, yes. I thought it was uh, really
0: um, a learning experience, true learning experience for me. And, uh, and the reason why is because it's been quite a while, almost eight years that I haven't been with uh, young people. And what I mean by young people is the Gen Z generation. Um, I've been working mostly with uh, adults, like millennials. But uh, coming here, I didn't know, know what to expect. But I thought it was a really, really cool, really powerful experience and learning experience for me.
1: It's interesting to hear you say, for you, because you're supposed to be the one kind of mentoring. But in return, you get the same info that they are. So yes. it's it it helps you out.
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. I. Coming here, I I came here with the attitude yes to give, but al- but also as a learner, mm. and a uh, part of it is because I knew I was being emerged again among young people, and uh, I really didn't know what to expect, uh just because I don't know how how would it how how to communicate in a way that young people can actually receive it, mm. and that was my one of my goals coming here, is that if I were to impact young people I needed to learn how they think and be among them and just to learn the language and and just just be one of them sure yeah. so how old are you I'm a 45
1: really you don't look 45 at all <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well yeah. that's awesome so so you uh, don't usually work around young people what do you do for w- work like what inspired you to fly all the way down to south Florida and come serve and volunteer yes uh, basically i um i met um uh um the
0: uh, the director the organizer um about a year ago uh, uh, oh no beginning of this year at uh, an event uh, organized by paul martinelli who is one of the uh uh the speakers um the one who uh, the animators and uh, he had this event called turning point and we met there and we connected really well And she invited me right away to be one of the mentors. Nice. Yeah. And at first I told her, well, you know, that's, the young people are not really my audience at this point. I mean, I've been a youth, um, youth, um, I worked with youth uh, for over 10 years in the past. But then there was a season in my life where I kind of left that. And I didn't feel that was any longer my my field. And uh, when she invited me, I didn't give much thought about it. But a few months later, I felt, uh, I I feel the need to come. Mm. And uh, part of the reason why is because I feel that um, investing in young people today is, it's almost like a must. Right. With so much confusion out there um, and so much going on. um, They just need people, mentors more than ever before.
1: Totally agree with you. So being here, immersing yourself around Gen Zers for three days, what was a takeaway that you had? What did you learn about us young adults? <laughs> well, it's funny because I realized uh, it surprised me that they actually like me.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> of this, this gen, gen Xer, uh, late Gen Xer. And, uh, you know, um, I like to be funny. And, uh, but however, um, but I, I realized that they, they, they just want somebody to care. Mm. They, they, they want some, somebody to listen, somebody to care, somebody to, be, to believe in them. Um, You know, I, I, I'm the type of person that um, it takes me quite a bit of energy to be a clown. Um, But, you know, sometimes I don't need to be a clown all the time. Sure. Maybe just by, by caring, by, by, by being there and, and listening, I realize that they actually appreciate that. Well,
1: that, that's a very good takeaway and, and true. I feel like compassion is definitely a quality that us young people appreciate
0: yes yes and and, and believe you know
1: um i just feel
0: sometimes they 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 still they don't know what they got but when, when when i believe in them they when they become aware of their true power sometimes that awakens them to to uh to go after what what they want
1: what would you tell yourself if you could if you could look back in time and, and shake your 16 year old self what would you tell him, you know, I, I think I would, I would tell my younger self
0: to listen more to mentors, because mm. as a young, young fella, I was very proud, arrogant, and didn't want to listen much. I thought I knew everything. Yep, you that, know what that, I mean. That's a common theme among Souths <laughs> <those> youth. <laughs> <laughs> and learning a lot of things out in a hard way. I wish I had listened more and uh, reach out more. Um, because things that you don't listen a lot of times I had to learn in the hard way mm. and just hitting a lot of walls in order to just get um, be humble by circumstances
1: and so if I were to go back I yeah I would I would I would I would listen more you would urge yourself not so much to have to go have to experience something to learn f- from it but to be able to learn from it by somebody else's experience
0: exactly exactly that's exactly the the, the very well put, yeah.
1: So as we know, TLT Stand, which is what we called it this year, it's, it's a three-day event, but it's just a launching event to a year-long mentorship. So each month, you're going to be contacting your group of guys and kind of just mentoring them with whatever they need as far as school or job, anything like that. What What do you expect that process to look like? How do you think you're going to be able to pour into them through mentorship? Well, uh, the way I would approach
0: this is that, uh, first of all, I would really uh, show care, make sure that they know that I'm for them and that w- I want their best interest. Um, but even in a practical way, I want to ask them questions about what they really want uh, just to help them uh, really dig in and feel what, what is their passion and what, what is what they want out of life. And even if they're not sure yet, never thought about it or not yet had the chance to process that, to ask themselves those questions so that they can have more of a direction and more
1: even the awareness and the drive to go after it. When did you feel like you, like at what age do you think you found your purpose or your, your passion? You know, this, this is, um, thank you for asking this
0: question because for me, Um, The reason why this to me is such an important uh, question to ask ourselves is because um, I found this out uh, later in life in my 40s. Mm. And uh, just because um, for the first 40 um, in my teens, even to my 30s, I still wasn't sure about my purpose of life, my passions, my natural strength. Everything was uh, a huge confusion. And throughout the pain, throughout the, the process and trial and errors, um, and that is why I do what I do, which is basically coaching, helping people find clarity. And uh, if I had known a lot of things back then, what I know now, I wouldn't have, to have had to uh, go through a lot of detours or trials that led me to errors, or well, learning experiences that I went through. And uh, that's what I want to be for them is, is that I would like to compress the breakthroughs that I got and ask them those questions early on, so that they can be thinking about uh, about it, processing it, and and just uh, find out what they want
1: um, early earlier in life, if possible. What do you think is the benefit to finding out your purpose in or your identity early on? Like, why why do you feel like it's important that they learn that and don't take the time like you did? Yeah, I, I think I think uh, the advantage f- on the
0: first. First of all, is I, I find that uh, it will help them navigate their career path, their mm. life, decisions. Um, I, In my life, I hope job to job, industry to industry, in my 30s, and a lot of times not knowing really what I wanted, and that made a lot of decisions based on the outer uh, factors uh, without really considering my design Outer factors, meaning like money or cars
1: or yes. stuff like that? Yeah,
0: things like that, like money, company reputation, uh, benefit package, sure. which is not bad at all. But I just th- feel that even if you have those, but it's not in alignment with who you are, with your design, with your values, eventually you'll find yourself uh, either bored, misaligned,
1: um, even miserable. Sure. You know. Um, yeah, like e- even if you have it all on paper you could still because you're not operating in your god-given purpose yes. in your dream exactly. in your and y- you'll not be satisfied mm-hmm. even having everything that you think you want. I find that very very intriguing and I think that everybody is capable of no matter what happens being joyful and and having peace. A big part of that obviously is spiritual, but I believe your purpose is spiritual too. Mm-hmm. So to find out what you want to do in your purpose, your career, yes, is, is the channeling, is the physical manifestation of what your p- purpose is, hopefully, then you'll be able to live a life where you jump out of bed excited. Yes. And that is something that is so rare. And I feel like we were talking last night at the tenor. And you were asking me, like, how long I've been doing all this video stuff. And I've been doing it since, like, the third grade. So about, like, eight or nine. And you were so impressed, like, how I found my passion at such yeah. a young age. And the the older I get, the more I realize. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, I It is a blessing that I found that so young. And it hasn't really changed. Like, I still have the same excitement over it, you know, than I did back then. And... It is nice to jump out of bed excited. It is it, it, <laughs> it is nice to live in a in you feel like you're living purposefully and you're not drifting a, along. And I I'm in it for the same r- reason that you are, because I feel like if everybody is able to sweep their doorstep, mm-hmm. then the world will be clean. And so that that's something that Ann Ange quotes a lot from um, mother Teresa. She says that with the sim- with the symbol behind it being like if everybody was accountable for their own selves and lived in their own purpose yeah. then the world would be a, b- a better place just overall. Totally. And so I think this is v- a very honorable and cool thing that you're so passionate about doing and usually to my understanding your coaching business it's more for adults and business and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. Um just
0: Going back, I met um, Andrea in that event. And that event, most of the people are Gen Xers. Sure. Um, in their 40s, you know, even 50s. And my, my audience, the people that I work with are millennials or Gen Xers. And so they are, you know, professionals. A lot of them are more successful than I am. Sure. Honestly. And uh, even talented. Um, so I'm, I'm very used to that kind of crowd and um, but coming coming to TLT was a new adventure and challenge as well because I felt the need to actually invest in the next generation mm. that this generation cannot be ignored is because they will be the, the leaders of the future in in five ten years right they will be leading corporations being directors, the decision makers of organizations, and I just believe that those values, purpose, passion, values, um, is so important to impart it, uh, especially in s- with so much confusion t- today in society. So, so yeah, so that's.
1: I found it interesting to hear you say, you know, that you coach people that are sometimes more successful than you. Yes. How do you quantify success?
0: That's a really good. Um, you know thank you for asking that question i guess um the uh, one-sided definition that i meant by success is people who are further in their career path people who have uh, gone further maybe because they have built upon what they have in their lives without uh, without going around like i did i i have i have done a lot of detours I've done job to job, industry to industry, and that's part of reason why I, I do what I do is because of the pain fuels me to actually help people, and that makes me a coach, a trainer, um, partly in order to avoid other people making the same mistakes. But these people that I'm serving, that I'm working with, they maybe they didn't have to take those detours, and their career has gone um, in levels, level to level, always going up right building up so that that in that sense and success in that sense um although it's not you know the the total meaning of success sure but that that was what I meant they're probably further along than I am in in their
1: careers cool so it's it sounds like to me that Paul Martin Halley and coaches like him have have helped you um yes uh, find a little bit more of what your purpose is Yes, I actually, it,
0: it's, um, in my 40s, I, I've always tried little here, little there, and um, found out little pieces of me in knowing myself. Um, but just getting involved with organizations such as John Maxwell and Paul Martinelli has um, enabled me to know more about the craft of coaching, mm. personal development, and Paul Martinelli, especially in the business area. He's just very gifted in, in the business part. But uh, before meeting um, John Maxwell and Paul Martinelli, I went through uh, a few coaches already, programs that have helped me in part slowly discover my own design and my my person, what I want, my purpose. And um, for me, it was kind of pieces coming together over time, over a long period of time, where now in my po- coaching package, I just compress it all in a few Essential steps so that these people can actually experience the breakthrough that I, that took me probably ten years to experience. Wow. In a short amount of time, so yeah, that was the idea: is is to make it shorter for people and more, um,
1: yeah, shorter and safe, safe pain. That's very cool, and I I almost like to view this this life coaching as same way I would view someone who coaches a professional sports team just because they can't play as well as the players out there mm. doesn't mean that they're not as qualified to call the best plays. And so you have gone through some a decade worth of extensive research into how to develop your passion and purpose and figure out who you are and who's who are. And so I think that's, su- that's super cool that, that your goal is to kind of compact that time into something short, but just as impactful and meaningful. Yes. Just to give you an example,
0: there's this bright, uh, during the pandemic, um, he, he came, we, we met uh, online. He had no idea what his next step was. And uh, what happened is that through, th- he, he, he was a, a high school teacher but he didn't know what to do after, uh, during the pandemic when, when he started it. And so we did uh, a, a coaching session of three in, in three months. And uh, what, what, what happened is that in what took me four years uh, to discover, in three months, he got all the breakthrough. And then by six months, he was actually speaking around his region to high schoolers.
1: That's cool.
0: By eight months, he wrote his first book. And the year half his second book. So (laughs) he he just went exponentially. (laughs) I'm like, wow, man, that's (laughs)
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I, I love hearing, especially pandemic stories like that, because there's so many times in history, you know, uh, one in recent ish history would be the great depression in the mm -hmm. The 30s. We're kind of a little bit worldwide. Economics were not looking good. Mm -hmm. And, for a lot of people, they adopted this mindset uh, that still lingers today, as far as hoarding or saving, uh, penny pinching, all this stuff to not be as poor as you were back, you know, in the day in the long de- 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 distant memory. But at the same exact time, that book "Thinking, Grow Rich" is written. The same time created some of the richest men on the planet. Mm. And so I feel like it was repeated history during COVID where a lot of people took COVID as a really great excuse to bow out, to go, hey, I lost my job, had to move back in with my parents. You know, my life stinks. It's so hard. The government stimulus package just wasn't enough. I'm still trying to get my job back. And then there's people like, this guy that went, Hey, look like teaching in Parson at least is kind of out. What can I do? And within a year and a half takes the proper steps to get help in order to find out in order to write two books. Yeah. And that's so, that's so cool to me.
0: That's impressive. That's so cool. (laughs) I was so happy for him. I was so happy. I was very impressed. And And you don't feel a sense of envy. No, 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 no at all. I was, I was very happy. I, I said, man, I, I, I just, I, I think you, uh, you outgrew me. You can <laughs> go to the next mentor. <laughs> you can you go to
1: the next coach, you know. That's cool. That's, and yeah. I love that so much because some people that if coaching wasn't their passion, they'd be in it for the finances or the power or whatever that may be. And if somebody were to get, you know, more successful than you, you might be like, hey, what the heck? You might be a little <laughs> envious or you, you, you'd be like, see how good you did? You need me. But it's, it's, coo- it's so cool to see you in your passion that you're genuinely happy for him and you want to send him on up to the next level. Exactly,
0: yes. And that's how I feel with the young people too. Mm. I, just, I just feel like I, I get the opportunity, the privilege to attach people that will be further, way further than me, way more talented, whose calling will be you know more impactful, and uh, it's just get get to be the part of that piece that helps them get there. So that's that's my uh, that's that's my that's always been my thought. I had mentors like that, and that that's the mentality
1: I, I adopt. Yeah. Nice, that's awesome. Well, hey, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Yeah, I want to talk about your childhood. Okay, because uh, we went out to eat last night, and you ex- you told me you know that you were born in Taiwan. Yes. Um, and then where did you move after that? Um, I was born in Taiwan at the age of
0: six. Our family, we moved to Argentina. And then we lived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, for 10 years. And then at the age of 16, uh, half of my family, uh, we moved to Canada, Montreal. Um, I have four sisters. So three of my sisters, they, ha- they were engaged. Uh, one of them was married. Uh, so they, they stayed in Argentina, settled there. Mm-hmm. But my, fa- my dad, my mom... My youngest sister, who is five years older than me and myself,
1: uh, we moved to, uh, to Canada, to Montreal. Yeah. How do you think living in such a diverse range of different countries from being on an island uh, right off of China to then moving to South America, to then moving all the way up to the cold, you know, North America, how do you think that developed you as a person? You know, uh, I'll be honest...
0: Um, I have gained, um, the good things that I've gained is uh, perspective, um, a unique perspective in, 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 in ways that, that is unique to me. But however, I think there's a surprise is that I, I grew up not really knowing where I belong. And that was a struggle, is that um, when I was a kid moving to Argentina, I remember my process of getting used to life in Argentina, learning the language, it wasn't as hard because I was very young, mm. but then moving from Argentina to to Canada, that was a different um, different different thing. And so, I have lived in different communities where, uh, throughout my life, I've always asked myself where I belong. You know, not quite being able to fully identify myself with the group or the ethnicity that that I that I was living among. And that was a struggle. And by now, I just kind of stopped asking that question. I just accept <laughs> the fact that, well, you know, I, I can be with the people that I, that I can be. yeah. And I will, there's always common ground. And I'm just going to live off that. And I'm just going to learn from whatever places I go to and just live among the people and learn their, their, their lifestyle, their, you know, learn from them and just be among them the best way I can and just to, to adapt. So that gave me some kind of flexibility in a way that I've learned to be flexible. Um, but also I've learned, you know, different perspective among
1: different people. Yeah. So by moving so much, you've learned different perspectives, different countries, different people. But also a side effect of it is you kind of don't know where you belong. Yeah. And that's still following you even...
0: Even today, t- yes. Today? Even today, I say... Uh, If it wasn't because of my faith Mm. uh my relationship uh with god i think i would still be asking questions you know about my identity and it's interesting that you mentioned about identity that kind of enforce the identity that i am a child of god Mm. and out of that that's that's what i am and that that is enough
1: you know um So so you're not Taiwanese, you're not Argentinian, you're not a Canadian, you're a child of God. <laughs> First and <laughs> foremost, yes, that's awesome. yeah when when did you come to your faith? because I know that Taiwan's not necessarily a very Christian uh, birthplace no me. no even now. Uh, but uh, my, my family was Buddhist.
0: Uh, we worship idols and um, it was when we moved to Argentina. At the age of six uh, my parents start, uh, got invited by a by a brother at church and um, to, to attend church and then my dad force started to force me to go to Sunday school and uh, because he didn't want me to sleep in during Sundays sure and then at the age of 13 I went to a camp and that's where I received Christ as my Lord
1: and Savior that's very cool how is that when, when you go back? To taiwan because i assume that you still have a family there yeah. being that christianity is a pretty foreign concept to them how do they take that
0: you know our family our family in taiwan they see the blessing of god in our family and uh they are open hmm. to recognize the, the hand of a divine hand on our family because all my sisters their marriages their kids are all healthy, walking with the Lord, where most of my family in Taiwan are broken families, and uh, that's kind of passed on generationally, mm. and so they kind of see the hand of God in our family, and um, and from time to time, they're open to actually uh, know, and even, you know, be be approached, or be um, open to Christianity in, in ways that, because they see the blessing, they the things that they ask the idols, that they worship idols in order to get what they want to get. They see it in us, in our family.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's very, very, very interesting and cool. What wh- what does idol worship look like? Because I I am, that's a total foreign concept to me. I don't even know what that is.
0: Uh, Taiwan, they have a few main idols that we uh, that they worship and uh they have their own names besides buddha and uh so their main idols some are females some are males but they there a lot a lot of focus is on prosperity protection mm.
1: fertility um you know financial blessings and things like that so is it they're actually like worshiping the statue or the statue like the cross up on the wall would be a symbol for this deity yes okay yes they they have a look
0: they have a look to those statues and they have a name as well, you know, and they have their own name. Um, but beside that, it's also a custom to actually worship uh, ancestors mm. uh, where you not just pay them respect, but you you actually pray to them. You actually uh, like they are a god. yes, oh. ask them for protection, ask them for uh, blessings, fertility,
1: um, and things like that. Very intriguing. Very very interesting. Yeah, all right, that's cool. <laughs> I we 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 talked a little bit about that last n- n- night, and, and it's so foreign to me that I it it's intriguing to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so I'm just curious. That has nothing to do with a leadership podcast, but it's cool nonetheless. <laughs> um, <laughs> do do you want to get into some geopolitical conversations about Taiwan or not? Um,
0: you know, I I'm in a generation where I don't. I don't, um, like what, what what's hap- happening with Taiwan and China, that's not ar- arouse um, animosity against um, not the people, but probably the party. The <laughs> Yeah, it's just because th- th- there's been always tension between Taiwan and China, but mostly it's because of the Communist Party that wants to
1: take over, uh, that considers Taiwan as part of China. So, to my understanding, Taiwan was a part of China for a long time, and then in the fifties, they had a liberation where they became independent. Um, what happened is that Taiwan
0: Taiwan was never um, legally part of China. Oh, yeah. What happened is that there was a, a war, of parties two two different parties, the Communist Party, and the Kuomintang Party, and they, uh, after the war, uh, after Japan Japan t- um, left. China um, after the World War II. And um, the Communist Party Party took over and the Kuomintang, which, which was used to be the main party in China, escaped to, to Taiwan. Oh And it was the mission of Taiwan, the, the Kuomintang Party to uh, go back to China to liberate China from the Communist Party. And oh, that, that never happened. And so Taiwan always had their self-governing law, their government, and their constitution ever since their republic, um, as opposed to the Communist Party
1: China, which is which is their own. Wow, that's very interesting. I did not know that. I, I for some reason, thought that Taiwan, it was like a different race of people or something, but to, you, to my understanding of what you just told me is it's more of an ideology. that It, it was a whole party that separated r- 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 and went to Taiwan. Yeah, like
0: the Taiwanese people, they have the, the the were already indigenous people in Taiwan. Uh but the the huge uh huge population of the Chinese Kuomintang moved to uh moved to Taiwan. And uh so you have different um backgrounds in, in among the Taiwanese people. But yet for since the beginning they had always had their own uh, constitution, their own political uh you want to say party self-governing um so self governing uh a political political um
1: structure and so yeah so so you think that they should uh that we should help them if if china were to want to take them well I,
0: I i the thing is that i don't believe that taiwan is part of china to, to begin with right um it's um but the thing is that it doesn't mean that they they, they cannot come to a collaboration cooperation collaboration but when china says that taiwan is part of china uh that's to me that's that's it, it never was it never was yeah
1: that's th- that's very good to hear from you because i i get little snippets online of what's going on and they say it's a one china and that's kind of their their thing taiwan really desires to be independent obviously we are in uh, a relation with them where if they were to get attacked, you know, it's kind of our duty to step in because they're small country. Uh, we, we already don't get that many views on this podcast, but we're definitely shadow banned now because <laughs> <laughs> YouTube does not like this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm pretty sure they're pro-China, to be honest, I think. Okay. Um, but, hey, I'm I'm down to get bold, baby. Let's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you know, it's funny because United States is allied with Taiwan. And it's one of the uh, uh, strongest ally of United States. Uh, Taiwan being a strategic,
1: being in, in, in a strategic place in, in the East Asian country, and so yeah, in manufacturing, right? Like they, they they produce a lot of the technological chips and stuff.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: But it's very true that whenever you see China in a
0: in a place in organization, that's a NATO or a world organization, then Taiwan has to go, because there's always a pressure. Because ta- China oh. will never consider to uh, Taiwan as a, as a nation itself. So, in the presence of when, whenever he steps in into an organization, then Taiwan will mostly have to be a uh, step out. Um, so that's that's you know, w- health organization, World
1: Health Organization, right? And uh, yeah, things like that. So, do you, do you give this a, a good bit of thought, being that you're from Taiwan or or, or no? You know. It,
0: it I, I, at this point I know my previous generation they will uh, even Gen Xers but I'm a late late uh, Gen Xer and uh, just because in my in my background I have had so many issues that I had to issue I, I had to deal with mm. in my personal life so I kind of put that aside I see
1: um, yeah because I'd be curious if, if you give this a good amount of thought how you think there can be a win-win like how do you think that they can I mean that's obviously like we're going deep into some crazy geopolitical, you know, <laughs> solution that yeah. I'm not expecting you to have at all. But I, I am interested if, if you've ever thought about that, like how they both can win.
0: I think I think a win win would be a collaboration among both these two countries, which um which is not probably not the vision of the Communist Party at right. this point. Right. And that's the difficult part because the Communist Party has the vision of, of taking things that they believe that it belongs to them. Right. And so, uh, because it's authoritarian, so it, it's very hard to uh, unify uh, Taiwan, which is democracy, and c- still respect the freedoms that they have, and their self-determining um, uh, political structure while belonging to this greater, you know, unified with this China, which is a communist authoritarian um,
1: political structure. Yeah. I see. So, what two countries do you think are have a good example of a collaboration? What's a what's an example of that in the real world?
0: Well, I, in China, I, I, with China, with China, I believe it's it's hard because it, we we see what's happened with Hong Kong, right? And um, you know, and then you start wondering like. You know, it's it's whether that's that's really possible to have um, that kind of that kind of idealistic uh, scenario. Um, Hong Kong being part of uh, the English colony for such a long time, but now being returned to China, and uh, you know, a few years ago, you see o- all the protests and w- what was going on, the the suppression that that happened. So. Uh,
1: yeah it's 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 i just don't see it happening dang you know this podcast definitely is already controversial china definitely doesn't like that we're talking about this youtube definitely doesn't like they were talking about this so i'm just going to come out and say something that has been on my heart for uh quite a long time yeah that i have been really really praying and pressing in and trying to strategize how the heck i personally with the community of people that i have help these people uh but i want to educate our audience about the uyghur muslims i don't know if you know about what's going on in uh western china Mm. but they have modern day concentration camps Mm. that are very real that they're oppressing a race of people that call themselves the uyghurs uh it's a sector of Muslim people mm-hmm. and China literally, you, you can look all of this up. It's, it's, it's real. And the NBA actually banned one of their players for mentioning something about it because China has such a heavy investment in the NBA, but they have a modern day concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And if you um, care about the Jewish people, for instance, and the Holocaust that happened with World War Two. And you think to yourself, "Oh, I would have been somebody that helped them. I would have been somebody that uh, protected them or stood up for them." I believe that you have an opportunity right now to do that with people that are in concentration camps in slavery right now that are being castrated so that they cannot reproduce. Wow. They're they're being targeted by the CCTV feeds to have face detection software to choose the features that they know this certain race has, and then they go pick them up. There are articles and videos online that you can watch. It gets banned quite often. Uh, I would check Twitter. I would look it up if this interests you at all. If you're hearing about this for the first time, please go do do, do, do your own research. But that, hopefully, this does not go uh, null and void, that somebody hears this that didn't know about this and wants to do something. I don't know what to do. Mm. I'm not about to go get a camera and go make a documentary out in the middle of communist China, right. I don't know how to help these people, mm. but it is sad, and it weighs heavily on my heart. I don't know if you've ever heard I never heard of this.
0: this. I never heard of this. Yeah, but
1: most people that I talk to haven't. I found about this years ago because it's been happening for a while, mm. and the oppression that they're under is pretty extreme. Um, the concentration camps, they're pretty malicious. Where they're not necessarily executing them, but they are castrating them, wow. so that they cannot re- deduce. I guess they learned from the uproar of the Holocaust, <sighs> wow. being like, "Well, we can't necessarily kill them, but we can work them to death, and we can make sure that they don't repopulate." It's sick. Mm. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. With that being said, you know, um, (laughs) so Paul Martinelli, he's a great guy, right? Great speaker, am I right? (laughs) I love
0: Paul Martinelli. (laughs) I love John Maxwell. These are my mentors,
1: yes. (laughs) No, leadership is good, but what are we leading? Um, You can't do it all. Hopefully, we can make an impact in the... I love what Andrea Hazim says all the time. She says, change your world, change the world. World, just because you don't have a million followers on Instagram, just because this podcast doesn't get a million views an episode, doesn't mean that we don't have an impact on the people directly around us. Yeah. And so, I appreciate you greatly for your character to volunteer and pay your way to come all the way here so that you can help out four teenage guys. And I know that that may Five's not see five. oh for five yeah I got even five. better. I got the privilege of five. That's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, it's like that may not seem like you're changing the world. It may not seem like you're rescuing the Uyghurs, but you are making a big difference with a rebel effect that you'll never be able to see with your own eyes. That will go generations. This education that you are blessing these young men with will stick with them forever. And I know this because guys in your group personally told me, so thank you thank you so much uh, i've appreciated our conversation it got a little all over the place but hopefully it was educational hopefully you enjoyed the episode if you did please comment below share it with a friend if you don't know what to do about the weekers maybe share this episode <laughs> <laughs> and bring some awareness because it's real um steven you have anything to plug any social media any thing like that yes
0: uh my um my website is maximizeu, so maximize-u.com uh, for those who are interested in knowing more about me. And uh, there's one last thing I want to say: that the reason why Taiwan has a, such a good relationship is allied with Israel mm. is because both they are um, they suffer threat from bigger countries around them. They sometimes fear uh, suffer they. They're under the pressure of extinction or takeover from the countries around them. And so they understand each other. That's why they've been such great allies and friends for such a long time.
1: That's v- super cool. Thank you, Stephen. We'll link the site down below. Go check tra- them out. Find something that you care about. Find a passion. Find a cause that you care about and go after it. Amen to that. <laughs> Thank you, <daddy>. <laughs>